We're going to be continuing in part four of our Lord's Prayer series this morning. Um, I just want to open up with a little bit of a story. Um, back in 2003, when I was working in the world of IT, I had an opportunity to uh, take a promotion in my company that meant that I needed to go and move house to another part of the, another part of the, of the UK. Uh, so George and Chloe and I were living in Hertfordshire at the time, and this opportunity basically meant a promotion into uh, the world of IT project management, but on the Rolls-Royce account in Derby. It sounds very prestigious, um, and it was like a step up in terms of my responsibilities, a step up in pay, and it seemed like a really, really good idea uh, to go for it. Um, so we visited the Derby and Nottingham area, uh, and we made an offer on a house just outside Nottingham. Uh, you know, we, we kind of found this great house and we made an offer and the, and the lady there accepted it. Uh, and so all we needed to do was to sell our own house and uh, get it on the market. And the market at that time, back in 2003, in our area was strong. You know, the people, people were selling houses really quickly uh, and it looked like it was all going to go through. Uh, and we asked God to bless the sale. Now, as time progressed, it became really apparent that God was not in our decision to move. He just wasn't. Uh, there was no interest in the sale of our house at all. And over the summer, we found ourselves starting to pray, uh, Lord, if it's not your will for us to move, uh, then we'll take our house at the end, off the market at the end of August and we'll stay. We actually found ourselves praying kind of the opposite as the months went by. Um, and so by the end, of the, at the end of the month of August, we'd only had one offer, and it was £25,000 underneath the asking price, uh, and, the, and the gentleman concerned wanted us also to completely refurb and relocate the bathroom, uh, which any, if any of you know what it takes to redo a bathroom, that's a lot of work and a lot of money. Um, and so that wasn't really stacking up very well for us. And then I also had... Uh, so basically, at the end of August, we took it off the market. We said... No. We set out, we kind of set out our plan before God and it didn't happen. We got to the end of that break point in time and so we stayed where we were. And I, I had to have a, a, a mega awkward conversation with the guy in the IT department in Rolls-Royce and say to him, listen, I'm not coming now after all. Uh, and that was a, a bit of a difficult chat with him. Now two things happened during that summer while we were waiting that were very important. Um, now, the first thing that happened was uh, our church started to do a series on this amazing book called The Purpose Driven Life. A uh, really, really great book. Just to give you an idea how significant this book is, um, in terms of book sales, in every single book list uh, for sales, the Bible is the top. In fact, it so boringly w- uh, sells so boringly well, they don't ever mention it on the book charts. It's really annoying because actually if they were honest, we'd always see the Bible at the top. Uh, and so there's a great case to get that back. Um, But they never show that. So the Bible is top. Then it's Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. And then it's this book. And this book, it says on, I think it says on here, it's something like sold like 32 million copies or something. It's ridiculous. It's a really, really great book. And our church started to read this in the summer of 2003. And uh, so, we're, so you can imagine our situation. I'm trying to get this job in another, in another part of the country. I'm getting through this book, and I'm reading it kind of on the sunny days in the back garden. And I get to about two-thirds of the way through, and I suddenly think, I need to stop being an IT project manager, and I need to go and be a pastor. And that is very, very inconvenient when you've got a plan that's heading off in a different direction. Isn't it? Very, very difficult. Uh, it means then that you're kind of reorienting your direction and the plan that you did have isn't now going to happen. So I went running in to, uh, to tell Chloe that, hey, I was going to be a pastor now. And she was not impressed. She had kind of gone through this whole process of, well, you've just reoriented my world and turned me upside down. 
And uh, now you're telling me you want to go and be a pastor because of this book. Who'd like this copy of this book, by the way? Yeah, there you go. This lady here, come on out. Gosh, that was fun. Who said, who shouted me? Well done. I didn't see your hand. I'm so sorry. Well done you. But there you go. Hands up. Fantastic. It's an awesome, awesome book. And that is also for sale down, our, down on our info point as well. Please grab a copy of that book. Absolutely fantastic. Um, <coughs> so Chloe wasn't impressed. But as I went in to talk to her about it, she said to me very wisely, if you still feel this way in a few months' time, then let's review this. So that happened while we were waiting for our house to get sold. Another thing happened while we were waiting for the house to get sold, which was that we went up to the Nottingham Derby area to check out churches. Because I think that's a great thing to do if you're looking to move. You want to go and check out where it is you're going to be worshipping. And we went along to an Elam church that was uh, pastored by a guy called Mike Williams. And um, it's kind of in some suburbs of Nottingham. I think at the time the church was being held in the gym of a school. And I walked in there. I've never been there before or since. And I felt God's presence really strongly. I mean, it's one of those churches where you walk in and you, you're just like, oh, okay, God's really here, really strongly. And then Mike Williams preached this, preaches this message, and it was a landmark message for me. It was a message called, Give It a Go for God. And basically what he said all the way through the message was, Give It a Go for God. Just come on, give it a go for God. And so this book that I was reading and this message kind of combined along with no house sale during that summer to convince me that God was up to something. And he didn't want me to pursue my secular career as much as he wanted me to explore the idea of becoming a pastor. So that's what happened. Uh, so this journey unfolded um, and I was uh, trying to, uh, to follow God's leading on it. And so what I did was, in the end... I applied to Elam. Uh, the Elam movement is, is uh, kind of our kind of head, like a, it's like our group of churches. And I went for an interview uh, with Elam in the November of 2003, and they accepted me to go and train to become a pastor. Uh, and so that journey had several steps in it where I was going in one direction, and then God did various things, and he kind of arrested my attention, and he sent me in a different direction. And actually, the rest really is history, because I stopped being an IT project manager, and I became a pastor instead. And that was the year when it got changed around. And so, we're looking this morning at how you can tell... Oh, by the way, I should just say, when we then later moved from that house that we struggled to sell, um, we, we, we sold it about four or five years later, after I'd been to Bible college... And it was in a very difficult market at that time. Uh, it was 2009, something like 2010. But it sold within four weeks, and we got the asking price. Totally different circumstances, and God was right in it. Just to give you a bit of a comparison of how different that was. We're in part four of our series on the Lord's Prayer. Part four. And uh, we're looking at that part of the prayer where we are asking God for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Matthew 6.10 says this, Your kingdom come, which Gavin Calver preached on so well last, week, uh, last weekend, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. So when we pray for God's will to be done, in the Lord's Prayer, we're asking for Him to line things up as He would have them done, in His way. We're basically saying, I'm going to lay down my agenda, and I want your agenda to step in, Lord God, instead. And it's a really wise way to pray because by asking for his will to be done, we're asking for his agenda to take priority over our agenda. And it's in the big picture stuff as well as in the small details. So as we're praying this in the Lord, Lord's Prayer, your will be done, we're asking God's 
will for our lives, to step closer to us, and that we would follow that, and that we would enjoy the benefit of the plan he has for us. Now, wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it just be awesome if we could go perhaps to like a little room at church, you know, just on your own, you'd open the door, and you'd go in there, shut the door, and you'd say, God, should I do this? And then there'd be a voice, and it would say, yes. And you'd be like, yeah, great, that's so helpful, thank you, Lord. Or you could go into the room, and um, you'd say to God, now, should I do this? And he'd go, no. Uh, and, then, and then we'd come out of the room, and then it would just be like, kind of like straightforward, wouldn't it? I mean, let, come on, be honest with me. That would be really super helpful sometimes. Just to get a yes or a no would be great, wouldn't it? Okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is worth a bit of applause. I mean, I, I just think it would be nice to have some clarity. But it doesn't seem like God always works like that. Not always, does he? Sometimes it's a little harder than that. Yeah? Uh, now, I wanted to suggest or propose a method by which we can hear from God. So here's my running fleece that I go running in. And... Um, Here's my method. I've got a suggestion for hearing from the will of God. Okay? What I'm going to do is, if I need a big decision answering and I need a confirmation that God is in my decision, I've decided I'm going to lay my fleece on my back patio and I'm going to, I'm going to say to God, um, God, would it be possible for uh, the back patio downstairs tomorrow morning uh, to be all dry but the fleece to be soaked through with water? And then I'd, I'd pray that, I'd, you know, my fleece would be out there overnight, and then I'd run downstairs first thing in the morning, and I'd pick it up, and then if it's all full of water, and the patio is dry, and I'm wringing this out from water, then I know that God has answered my prayer, and, and I'm getting an affirmation that the thing I'm seeking him for, I'm, I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to go ahead, aren't I? So that would be kind of a weird, to be fair, a weird way, a cranky way, but a definite way of getting an answer, wouldn't it? You would get your answer. So... Before you just run off and do that, though, it makes sense to do it again, but swap it round. Uh, and so what we would do is we'd go down a second time, and we'd ask for the uh, patio to be wet, but the fleece to be all dry. So in the first test, it was round the other way. The, pat- the patio's dry, but the fleece takes all the dew. But in the second test, the next day, we're wanting to make sure the patio's completely wet, which is kind of normal, especially at this time of year, but the fleece to be all dry. So what we would do is we'd put our fleece out again, and we'd say, God, would the fleece stay dry, but would the patio be wet? And then we'd run downstairs again in the morning, we'd pick it up and be like, yes, it's dry. God is in this. God has confirmed first the one way, and then he's confirmed the second way, therefore he is in this and we know where we stand. That would be really helpful. Now, to be fair, it would be cranky, and we'd sell out of fleeces very, very fast, wouldn't we? Fleeces would become even more popular than Adidas trainers, I think, and everybody would be laying out their fleece and getting answers that way. Now, there is a story in the Bible where, funnily enough, this exactly happens. And those of you who know about putting out your fleece will know roughly where I'm going with this. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Turn with me in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Uh, you can also open that on your YouVersion app. And uh, you should be able to find, uh, if you can't find this, just jump onto our YouTube channel, Birmingham City Church. And you can see in the description below, in the notes, there's a link to the event for today in the YouVersion app. And all of the notes are in there and the Bible references and so on. You can add your own notes as we go along. So I just encourage you uh, to do that. And also just encourage you guys to do that online as well. Judges chapter 6 finds a difficult situation for the nation of Israel. They are in a bad way. Uh, They are suffering from oppression from a, a foreign invader over them, and it's a nation called the Midianites. And so God raises up a person called Gideon to lead Israel in the fight 
against Midian. So it's Gideon versus Midian, if you, if you get that. Now, the only difficulty is that Gideon is very, very unsure of God's will. Like, mega, mega unsure. And so God has to keep on affirming to Gideon what his will is, and Gideon keeps on having to check whether he is in God's will for the situation he finds himself in. Now, what's so appealing about the story is that we all identify with a Gideon level of uncertainty about God's will. We do. You know, we ask God big questions. Should I get this job? Should I go to that town? Should I join this church? Should I marry this person? And it's, it's, sometimes it takes a while to get that answer, and we're not certain that God's in it. And that can be quite hard. Um, uh, so this is why the story of Gideon is appealing, because we connect with Gideon's uncertainty. So let's just read it from uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, If you will deliver Israel by me, as you said, I will put a wool fleece here on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, I will know that you will deliver Israel by me, as you said. And that is what happened. When he got up early in the morning, he squeezed the fleece, uh, squeezed the fleece and he wrung dew out of it. He got his fleece like this and he wrung it and it filled a bowl with water. Gideon then said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and let the dew be on the ground, all over the ground. And that night God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over the ground. And the decision that Gideon is wanting to give, uh, get God's assurance on is, should I be the person who goes and attacks the Midianites and frees Israel from this oppression? And this forms part of a sequence of things uh, in which Gideon gets this affirmation to go and do this. So when we were trying to sell our house and it wasn't actually selling very well, uh, or going through that process of it, uh, someone in our church at the time actually said this, well, you've put out your fleece, haven't you? Um, and the Lord will show you his will. And I'd never heard of the story of Gideon at that time, and I, and I, you know, I genuinely thought it was like, ooh, you know, maybe there's some weird thing that Christians do with their fleece. You know, what is that? And, and I went and looked, and, and I was like, ah, okay, we're talking the, the fleece, a fleece as in sheared from a sheep, I guess. Um, we're not talking about a regatta fleece from Mountain Warehouse. Um, now, I found out from this story, by going and checking it, when this lady told me about it, that the, from the story of Gideon, God can confirm his will to us or not. This is a very clear illustration in the Scripture, that if we ask God and, and that we're patient, uh, we're patient with him and, 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 and go to him, and, and he, he can be patient with us, and we can press him, and we can keep asking him, um, he will show us his answers. He will. And I believe that if we pray like we are being asked to in the Lord's Prayer, let your will be done, then the Lord's will eventually will become plain to us. It's like a fleece getting wet or staying dry. It's like a house selling or not. It's like that job opportunity with a door being opened for you or not, even if there might be some waiting involved in the situation. But here's an important thing to understand. As I studied the story of Gideon a little bit more, I noticed that the part where he puts the fleece out is actually part of a much larger sequence of events that's going on and interactions that, is ha that are happening between Gideon and God. God has, uh, Gideon has this whole series of things that go on. 
And in fact, I counted them all up, and I think there's around about 10 points where God specifically intervenes with Gideon to give him assurance, to set up events, uh, to make sure that his will is realized. And Gideon has to interact that number of times. Um, So we might want to be people who are asking God for that plain yes-no answer about things, but don't hang it on just one or two episodes. I would base it on around a whole series of things. You know, like if God maybe, if you feel like God maybe says to you once, that's a, that's a sign, sure. If he says to you twice, that's really helpful, but I would encourage you to see it as part of a big sequence in your life. It's not just going to be down to a one fleece episode or two fleece episode. So be a little bit cautious with that. And of course, it really helps for us to know the voice of our shepherd, Jesus, in such situations because he guides us and we get an impression from him and through times of prayer and reading the word and conversations at church and all those kinds of things, all of those things help us in understanding what God's will is for our lives. So I'm going to ask three big questions. Let's assume that God's side of the part of the Lord's prayer, may your will be done, is all good. Let's imagine that God is all good on that. So whenever we're getting into the will of God, let's assume God has no problem making sure his will comes about. He really doesn't. And actually, all of the mechanisms, all of the the ways in which he sees his will done about, they're all fine. There's no issue there, is there, with God, because God is perfect, God is all-powerful, God stands outside time, God is able to do whatever he wants. So let's, let, without being irreverent, let's take that off the table for a minute and let's focus on our side of the equation. Let's look at how we do things in response to the will of God. And here are three questions that help us to understand the role we're supposed to play in making sure the will of God comes about. Because I think for many of us, we're not sure what that role is. We can ask questions, we can listen out for signs, of course that can all happen, and, and God can make his will very plain, I'm, you know, I'm sure, but I think there's, a, there's an interaction from us that would be really helpful, and we see this playing out in the story of Gideon. So here are the three questions that we can ask ourselves as we assess, how am I being a help to God's will, or am I being a hindrance? Ask, let's ask these three questions. So number one, what is going on inside of us? What is going on inside of us? Number two, what is going on around us? And what I mean by that is the stuff that we are kind of touching in our world, our domain, what we see, the things that we we live with day to day. And then number three, what is going on beyond us? That's a little bit further afield, perhaps on the national level, perhaps internationally even, something that we wouldn't normally expect to have touch our lives, but we've got a feeling and a prompting from God that it's going to that level. If we look at God's will... From the perspective of these three questions, I think it will really help us to take action at the different levels. Uh, So if we're praying, let your will be done from the Lord's Prayer, um, then the Lord's will is going to work at these three levels. It's going to work in me. There's going to be some things that he does in me. It's going to work in our world that we see around us, the world that we occupy. It's also going to work in the world, as in the world globally overall, the big picture of things. Um, And it's like three successive circles. And we see this in the story of Gideon pretty clearly, in fact. So number one, what is going on inside of us? What is going on inside of us? Now, uh, I'm going to share you a story uh, about how this plays out and give you an illustration. Now, in my first few months as a new pastor, um, I genuinely struggled with my confidence uh, uh, to to, to speak as a pastor. I, I struggled with it. I found it hard. 
I find it really difficult to step up into that place of having the confidence to speak to a group of people. And um, on one occasion, I was invited by the pastor of another bigger church. Uh, where he was kind of mentoring me a bit, and he invited me and my smaller church to jump on a coach and to go with him to his bigger church. And uh, then I would, the deal was, and this was the arrangement between me and the pastor, and we told nobody else, was that um, if I managed to get the people to come from my small church to his, join his big occasion, then I could speak to everybody. I could speak to their big church and my smaller church, and we'd all be together, and uh, that would be a great learning opportunity for me. And it really was. It was, it was a great opportunity and very kind. So we filled up the coach, and we traveled over to their church, and when we arrived, their team was just super kind to us, and they welcomed us all, and they honored us, um, and uh, you know, I, I knew that I was going to be speaking this message. And so just before I'm about to kind of go on stage and do my thing, um, I got prayed for by their senior team. And their pastor, as part of the prayer, just before they prayed, uh, so there was kind of like me and one of my elders and their pastor and two of their elders. There's like five of us kind of like backstage and we were praying to get me ready, okay? So just before I got prayed for, their pastor said this to me. He said, we are really looking forward to your message today, Nick. Um, and your church are going to be so proud of you when they find out that it's you bringing today's message for everybody. You know, this, this was a really affirming thing to build you up. We are cheering you on, Pastor Nick. Come on. You know, so he gave me all these encouragements. But before I could stop myself, rather than saying thanks for the encouragement and for the belief expressed in me, instead what happened was all my uncertainty and my lack of confidence tumbled out of me. It did. Uh, and, and I blurted out, I'm really not sure they will. <laughs> I actually said it. I'm not sure they will. And they were genuinely shocked that I would say that over myself. And then I was genuinely shocked that I would admit that over myself too. And I had to admit that what I was really thinking was this. Why would my small church and your large church at this big gathering together all combined ever want to hear me, little old me, speak? That's what I was actually thinking, and it came out. It came out. Now, I went ahead and delivered my message. You know, I'm professional enough to ignore my feelings. I know how to do that. Um, And it was an inner leadership moment between just five of us, and I'm grateful for that, although, of course, now you all know. (laughs) But I I, I learned a huge lesson that Sunday. What is going on inside me in terms of beliefs has a massive impact on the whether the will of God is going to take place. If you pray to God, let your will be done, but your will on the inside is not lined up with God's will, that's going to be a blockage. So what are we really thinking? And is it godly? So in the, the first place, I would say, that let your will be done has to be answered is in here. In your heart and in your mind. Are you with me, BCC? You, know, you can feel that, can't you? It has to be right in here. That's the place to start with let your will be done. And if there are any ungodly thoughts in our minds, we will need to allow God to revise those in order for his will to come about. We have to do that. And I'll just take you back to how this plays out for, for Gideon. It's an angel who first visits Gideon to tell him to lead Israel against the Midianites. And the angel says this in Judges 6.12. The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. 
And Gideon is really unsure about that affirmation from heaven. And the excuses come tumbling out of Gideon, don't they? Uh, it says this. He, he makes this excuse. He says, my family is the least in the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my family. And straight away, we are brought up to, to see that there's a mismatch between the task Gideon is assigned and what Gideon says of himself. And so when we pray, let your will be done, sometimes God may say something back to us that jars with how we see ourselves. And we're going to have to do some work on that uh, to sort that out. You know, I, I don't think it's any surprise that God had to be so patient with Gideon and intervene with him so many times. And that is why I think the story of Gideon has such a large appeal. We all feel like Gideon on the inside a lot more than we're prepared to admit, don't we? All of us feel that way. All of us feel that kind of, oh, I'm not sure I'm good enough to do this. You know, we all feel, I don't feel like the valiant warrior today. I feel like a quivering jelly. But the kingdom of God is not built on the wobbly feelings of God's people. It gets built on the interventions of God and the obedience of his people in accordance with the truth he speaks over us. Amen? So our first question is, what is going on on the inside of us? And are our thoughts lining up with godly truth? Romans 12.2 says this, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may, may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Whenever we sense God is speaking to us, then we are to calibrate our actions to that and not to how we feel. <laughs> we must renew our minds with godly truth. And so when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, let your will be done, the first place to look is on the inside, isn't it? Look on the inside. Do we really believe what God is saying over us, or are we going to cave and follow our feelings instead? You might be a person who kind of potentially wrestles with the idea that you're the product of random mutation over millennia of you know, genetic changes. Or you might be somebody who believes the truth of, one, of Psalm 139, which says, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. What is the truth that you are choosing to believe about you, that God says over you, that then directly plays into whether the will of God works out in your life? That's the place to start with the will of God. When we pray, let your will be done, we need to look inwards at ourselves. And is that working, and are we receiving godly truth? So number two, uh, what is going on around us? It starts on the inside, but it then goes to what... And what I mean by going on around us is the stuff that we see, our domain, our world that we occupy, um, and then making decisions about what we do about that in the Lord. You know, when we first moved to Birmingham, um, we uh, lived opposite, we've got a whole bunch of houses on our street, and opposite us and two doors down, there's a flat. And uh, when we first moved into Birmingham, uh, the flat there was occupied by a very chaotic individual who was doing a lot of drug dealing. And, and the, the outcome of that was that basically there was a lot of uh, like late night sort of shouting and there was racism and there was abuse and swearing and all sorts of things. There was kind of, you know, showing off in the street. There was cars skidding to a halt. There was, um, you know, people coming around and getting drugs at 4 a.m. in the morning. There was, there was just awful. It was chaos. And you could hear it into the house. And in one particular occasion, this, this car screeched up and four guys got out and there's a massive punch up in the street. I had to call the police and so on and so on. And I, this happened for about six months. And then uh, after this fight, I just realized I'd had enough. I really had enough. 
so the next day, after checking he was out, I went across the road and I laid my hand on the, 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 the bricks of this, this guy's flat. Okay? Yeah, I, I did check he was out. I thought, you know, <laughs> wisdom, wisdom, you know, wisdom of God, you know? Nothing to do with a lack of courage or anything. Wisdom of God, come on. Don't be looking at me like that. I laid my hand on the bricks of his flat. And I prayed something like, Lord God, would there never ever be any more drug dealing from this flat again in the name of Jesus? And you know what? It stopped. It absolutely stopped. I was like, wow, okay. It stopped. The guy moved out. I wish I'd prayed much sooner. I really do. And now we have a guy who, who does Uber Eats on his scooter. And I'm like, yeah, that's, a, that's better. So, yeah, it's a whole lot, lot better. The next thing we see happening in the Gideon story is that the Lord asks him to tear down his father's altar to Baal and the Asherah pole. Now, Baal was a, a pagan deity. He doesn't exist, but the pagans believed in him. And he had a kind of fertility wife called Asherah. And the nation of Israel had slipped into idolatry and were worshipping these gods. They weren't worshipping the one true God of Israel. And that's why they were in such dire straits. And that's why the Midianites had, were, were, were repeatedly overrunning them and taking all their stuff. So in Judges 6.25, it says this, On that very night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take your father's young bull and a second bull seven years old, then tear down the altar of Baal that belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So first, God revised Gideon's own opinion of himself on the inside with the affirmation valiant warrior. But now it's time for Gideon to look around. Can you imagine, though, how hard it would be to be asked by God to confront your mum or your dad or your parents' worship system? That's hard, isn't it? That's a really difficult ask. That's not straightforward. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. And so confronting the ungodly thing in our family system is sometimes the hardest thing that God ever asks of us. Really, really hard. And that needs real skill and wisdom. You know, suddenly ordering your pagan family to say grace at Christmas out of the blue might not be the wisest thing. We might need to build a bit more relationship there. We might need to consistently reveal our gratitude to the true God for the things that in our lives, for that to come across as a more persuasive ask. Sometimes the will of God does need a drastic right now action. It does. But also, equally, sometimes you need to go on a campaign over the long haul so that you don't lose out on the relationships, particularly where our families are concerned. That is so difficult. And for those of us in the room who've got families that are kind of, some are in the faith and some are out of the faith, sometimes that creates really difficult tensions, doesn't it? It is hard. In Gideon's case, God gave him explicit instructions to tackle his father's worship of false gods, which Gideon responded to that same night, and then his dad actually responded by questioning Baal for himself. And it kind of worked out. Basically, Gideon's dad said, well, Baal, can, you know, uh, he destroyed the, the Baal uh, temp, uh, you know, altar. And, and uh, Gideon's dad, Joash, comes out and goes, well, Baal, if he's a god, he can look after himself. And a kind of a rational sense starts to appear, doesn't it, in, in uh, uh, Gideon's dad. If you feel called by God to tackle an ungodly thing that you see around you, uh, once you've prayed, may your will be done, you're going to need some confirmations and wisdom. You know, it wouldn't have been wise to go wading in across the street and pretending that I'm Mr. Hardman and dealing with this ungodliness with my fists, would it? And that's why there's a bit of wisdom in waiting and praying first. 
Sometimes the church can end up being a little bit less effective than it might be for lack of wisdom and strategy on how to tackle the ungodly things that we see in our world around us. You know, and if you're thinking or prompted by this message perhaps to take on something ungodly in your world, come and chat to us first. Please, don't just go uh, shooting off and doing that. Come and talk to an elder, come and talk to me as a pastor, come and talk to someone on the team. Now, here's a a practical way that you can work this out in a way that I think is pretty successful uh, to see the will of God released in your world, uh, just around you. Uh, Canon J. John uh, is a great minister, a great evangelist. He has this formula, and it's called care, prayer, and share. And so in other words, in your world, you're caring for the people around you, you're praying for them, and then as the opportunities arise, you can share with them and say, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Or hey, we've got a Christmas service on, or something like that. That is a good long-term foundational position to take in your world. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come on back up, if that's okay. Um, Got one more point to share with you. So first question is, what is going on inside of us? What is, second question is, what is going on around us? And thirdly, what is going on beyond us? In terms of the will of God, what's going on inside us? What's going on around us? And what's going on out there in the world? The big picture stuff. Let me give you a, a little story just to illustrate what I mean by bigger picture stuff that actually kind of touches all three, but it's got a national implication to it. Uh, back in August 2020, uh, the A-level results got announced, didn't they? And it was the first year in very, very, very many years where they weren't tied to specific exam, uh, exams that were taken. It was because of the pandemic. And so the results awarded were based on what the teachers had said that the kids had been given according to the work that they'd done and the tests that they'd taken in their schools. And those results got published. And then the government uh, department for education decided to put an algorithm over those to even out the scores so that they were kind of in line with the history of the school that the scores came from and also with the national averages. But the difficulty was there wasn't enough intelligence applied to that algorithm. And so people who'd been given like ABB and were going to go to Durham and do geology suddenly found themselves with ABD or ACD. Uh, And a significant number, in fact tens of thousands of our A-level students in that cohort of 2020 found themselves with unfair grades. And it's, it's factually accurate that they were definitely unfair. Now here's an instance where it's time when we're praying the will of the Lord, let your will be done, to take action to the next level. It's not just an internal thing. It's not just, it, it's kind of prompted by what you see around you. Maybe you've got a relative or a, you know, a grandson or a granddaughter who hasn't had their grades. But now it's time to take it up a level. Now it's time to do what Gideon does, which is to take it to the Midianites, to take that attack and that, uh, and that flushing out of that nation from the nation of Israel away, and it's time to attack and to, and to do God's will on a much bigger stage. And so what you found in the summer of 2020 is a whole lot of very irritated parents and grandparents and relatives writing to their MPs and saying, hey, this isn't right, this is unfair, what's going on here? And within a few weeks... The government did a U-turn. And I don't know about you, but I don't think U-turn is a bad thing. If you're heading down the wrong path, a U-turn is a wisdom, isn't it? Like if you're going in the wrong direction down the motorway, you want to make a U-turn and go back the other way. And our journalists are are kind of so like feeble when they say, well, that's a U-turn. Well, yeah, it's a U-turn because we've made the wrong decision and we need to go back in the other direction. I think that's fine. U-turns sometimes bespeak wisdom later down the line that we didn't have at the beginning. 
So Gideon, number one, he had to address for the will of God to come about in his life. And we're on the will of the Lord for today's part of the Lord's Prayer. May your will be done. Gideon, number one, had to address the ungodly things about he, he felt about himself before, number two, he could tackle the ungodly things around him in his world, namely his dad's worship system. But once he did those things, Gideon then was then positioned to go on to number three, which was, large, which was to go large and to go national. And he was then able to take on something ungodly on a much bigger stage and see the will of God done. And that was namely to take the battle to the Midianites and to see them out of uh, the nation of Israel. And he was successful. Judges 7, 21, 22 says this. Each Israelite took his position around the camp and the entire Midianite army began to run. And they cried out as they fled. When Gideon's men blew their 300 ram's horns, the Lord caused the men in the whole army to turn on each other with their swords. And God's will was eventually brought about. Not just through God's interventions, but by Gideon shifting his focus beyond himself to the stuff that's around him and then the stuff that's beyond him in his nation. We're going to sing right now. BCC, would you stand with me? And we're going to respond to this message in just a little bit. But Luca and the team are going to lead us in worship first of all. Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done in our lives, we pray. Thank you, Luca.